Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Ginny. And I'm Allie. And today we're going to talk about Crush and <laughs> the, th- the Thin Dead Line. <laughs> oh, I love a punny title. Yeah. I would ask you how your week was, but we just had a whole... <laughs> Like, uh, I feel like last week we got it. a little <laughs> depressive, and yeah. I don't really want to repeat that. So we, need- we had that conversation <laughs> offline. <laughs> I, okay, here's the thing that I was, I, so this week, you know, I don't know. I, it was I think trash. The news has been depressing. We're sad. It's sad. But this morning on Facebook, I saw a, a video of my brother with a, with a Grover puppet. Um, and it turns out my brother can do a really good Grover impression. And it was the funniest thing I've seen in a really long time. And I was almost in tears laughing on my couch. It was, it was so funny. His wife found it at a flea market and bought it for him. I, I think I have heard him do a Grover voice before, like Grover from Sesame Street. But it was amazing. Who knew? I was just so, going to ask, which one is Grover? <laughs> oh, he, he's a little blue one. Okay, he's like uh, the he's, blue Elmo. Yeah, he's the monster. But he's like the angrier. Um, yeah, maybe he's not a child like Elmo. I don't think. I don't um, think I watched a lot of Sesame Street as a child. Well, I mostly knew Grover because he was. Uh, there's a children's book called "There's a Monster at the End of This Book," and he's the star character of it, and it's really cute. Aww. And it's a book about how he finds out that there's a monster at the end of the book, and so he keeps trying to convince you not to turn the page, and then you get to the end, and he realizes that he's the monster. <laughs> Aww. It's really cute. <laughs> anyway. What's the message of that book? Like um, there's a monster in all of us or it's okay? No, I mean, he's <laughs> a literal monster, you know. He, yeah. he is a monster. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd have to read it again to give you a, an insightful answer to that question. <laughs> but I think that he was scared of something and he didn't need to be. Okay. But maybe you could have your brother read the book to you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was, it was, it was very good. It was very good. Who knew? Anyway, um, so that was the one bright spot in my morning. Well, also, I ate a bagel. I also ate a bagel yesterday morning. It was not a bright spot in my morning. (laughs) I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) The bagel place near my apartment is, like, terrible, and I know this. And I just, like, went there because this is really an unimportant story. But the point (laughs) that everyone should know is that... Sometimes I go to the Pete's Coffee in my neighborhood because they're the only chain that sells decent tea. Yeah. And even that is, like, precarious because they, like, keep phasing them out. And, like, Mm -hmm. yesterday I ordered the one that I wanted and she, like, had to check that it was still on the, like, official Mm. list. And it was, like, I can see where this is going and it's bad. But but I, like, never order food there because there's always, like, fruit flies in the pastry case. Oh, and, like, I don't know if they just, like, don't notice or they just have given up, but, like, I am not ordering anything that comes out of there. So, like, the next logical place, like, next door mm-hmm. is, like, well, there's Starbucks, but I'm not going to walk in with, like, a Pete's container and order food at Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's, like, the bagel place. But anyway, the, the moral of the story is, like, the bagel place is terrible, but it's better yeah. than the fruit fly infested Pete's right. food. So, you know. Yeah, that's, Minimal uh, options when I'm out of groceries, yeah, to be honest. Options. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Hmm. Um, so I'm jealous of you living in New York with decent bagels and in proximity. And I know we've had this argument before, but I will concede that point in that you can They're just get more an prevalent edible bagel mm-hmm. at least more places. 
New York is also, there's just a lot of good breakfast sandwiches. Like, it's just a big thing. So it's like even the bad bodegas or crappy delis, like, can make a pretty good egg and cheese (laughs) on a roll. Like, it's just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I mm. um, I remember that from, like, high school field trips. Like, that's what yeah. we got for breakfast. It was excellent. But, like, here to get a good bagel, you have to, like, go to the good bagel shop and spend, like, you know, $5 on it. Yeah, the, yeah. Or more, probably. Anyway. Anyway. Not important. Not important. I guess now it's a PSA that the Pete's near me has fruit flies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're keeping this lighthearted and upbeat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, apologies if my voice is bad. Oh, yeah. Um, you sound sick. Been, I've had a nasty cold all week, but I rallied. At least Thank I can still you. talk. I was legitimately worried about that. Like, yeah. earlier this week, I was like, because my throat was, like, so sore. I was like, I've never lost my voice before. Like, mm. I've had it go pretty bad, but, like, I've never, ever, like, had full laryngitis. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, what if that happens? Yeah, that wouldn't <laughs> be great. I'm going to be, like, typing my answers to you. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just read the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be a one-sided conversation. (laughs) Well, we're talking about crush. Yeah. So, um, which... We can get into it. There was some that I thought happened in this episode, and then it didn't, so I questioned my memory, but we'll get into it. Oh, I meant to give you a note offline that I forgot about. Um, shoot. Well... Oh, well. <laughs> is it... Maybe I'll chat something to is you. Is it a secret? <laughs> it's not a secret. Oh, you know what? I can just say... Never mind. I can say this on the air. I just have to not say what the thing is. Um, I guess I realized that Alex... I don't think he knows the events of the next couple episodes. If he, oh. if I told... I don't know what I told him in the past. You know, he knows a lot of things about the show in general. A lot of the big spoilers because I can't keep my mouth shut. And also we talk about them constantly on this show. But there's a couple of things that I'm not sure if he's forgotten or if he never knew. And so I guess what I'm saying is I think we should try and oh. not spoil the rest of this season. Because we're almost... Haven't we're getting, we already? Has he listened to every episode? Sh- it doesn't matter. I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want to, like, circle around it. No, we can certainly kind of, but I guess I'm just saying, it, but, like... Yeah, I, I, I guess I want to try and just not spoil the rest of this season. In I think the he next just outed himself as not listening to our podcast. I think he just <laughs> forgot. I think he just forgot. Okay. I, he definitely knows a couple of things. I don't want to say which things people know and don't know, but all I'm trying to say is don't say what is coming up. <laughs> okay, so we'll try in to the next four episodes as possible. For this season. I'm fine can, to still talk about six and seven. Can we talk around it? Because I did have some notes related hmm. to events coming up but yeah. i'll be as subtle as possible <laughs> okay if it's too unsubtle i'll just tell them to skip the episode okay anyway we should get into it apparently uh, we uh, don't care about spoilers unless it's Ginny's boyfriend so. i i guess i'm just so excited <laughs> for how he for the next two or three episodes that i'm like i just i can't believe i got to this point and i'm like i'm 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 certain that he's gonna be like oh no i knew that when we get there but um not just the next couple episodes. Anyway, 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 let's get on with it. I remember this episode, but it was, yeah, it was a little bit different than I was expecting. And I also feel like this one wasn't like a super clear narrative line. So no apologies in advance for this. Just, maybe just uh, hit summary. the highlights because yeah. there isn't really much plot. So, okay. Well, there kind of is. I don't there know. are a couple things. So this episode, Crush, you know, we, the audience, have known for several episodes now that Spike realized he's in love with Buffy. And this is basically the episode where that is the, that's the main um, plot. The A plot is that Buffy finds out and Spike says it out loud. 
Um, so, I mean, we get just a lot of little little things in this episode, like they're hanging out of the bronze, which is reopened after being <laughs> repaired uh, from Olaf's damage. Um, and the gang is just hanging out, finally taking a breather because things have been so rough for them. And Spike shows up and sort of just is trying to hang out with Buffy. And she's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, so we kind of see him, you know, he's he's trying in his own way, basically, to to date and hang out with Buffy. At one point, he Don also it's kind of revealed that she sort of has a crush on Spike, which makes sense because we've just, you know, in the last episode or two, they've spent some time together. And he's kind of I could see I can see it. Um, and so she is the one that finally tells Buffy, like, well, it doesn't matter if I have a crush on him because he's obviously in love with you. And then Buffy kind of goes from there. Later, Spike tries to tell her about a vamp nest <laughs> that, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Meanwhile, there's been a murder on one of the trains that pulled into the Sunnydale station. And uh, it's clear that it was a vampire attack. And so under there been kind multiple of, murders, multiple murders. And so Spike kind of uses that as an excuse to tell Buffy, like, oh, I found this vamp nest. It might be the ones that did this thing. And it turns out that it's sort of his twisted attempt at taking her out on a date, because clearly those vamps have been living there for a while. They can't have just rolled into town on this bus. Um, and he, you know, is like <laughs> playing, playing music in the car and offering her something to drink. It's very awkward and a little bit cringeworthy and such is life. And she kind of confronts him about it by the end of it. And he does admit that he loves her and she obviously rejects him. Um, meanwhile, the vampire that, in fact, did commit these crimes and just rolled into town turns out to be Drusilla, who we last saw in Angel being set on fire. <laughs> um, yeah. She's kind of curiously not with Darla. It's just Drusilla. So question, big question mark there. She didn't even really say where Darla was, I don't think. But um, Drusilla rolls back into town and I think maybe spurred on by her, her interactions with um, Angel and, Drus and Darla has, you know, kind of gotten it in her head that she wants to reunite the whole gang. So she's kind of there to try and get Spike, you know, if not to be her partner again, to come back with her and just kind of form their little gang. Um, she's also able to kind of temporarily, I mean, we can talk about this, but like sort of hypnotize him maybe so that his chip doesn't function. And um, so they, they, well, okay. We'll talk about it. Suffice it to say, they go to the bronze. They do start palling around. They sort of get back into their old habits. They go to the bronze and they kill and drain a couple and then later, um, everything kind of comes to a head. Harmony's still in the mix. <laughs> it keeps getting forgotten about. Um, but, you know, Buffy... Uh, somehow this ends with Drusilla and Buffy in chains in Spike's basement. <laughs> and him trying to prove his love to Buffy by offering to Spike... Um, sorry, to stake Drusilla. And this doesn't win any of them over. And by the end of it, you know, Buffy is disgusted, Harmony is left, and Drusilla is also left. Yep. I guess that's kind of it. Spike and his women. Spike and his women. And he's pretty mad at all of them. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think the main takeaway from this episode is that it's the one where Spike's feelings come out into the open. And it doesn't go well. So, I guess what I... I had this image in my head of Spike telling Buffy how he felt and Buffy just, like, bursting out laughing. Mm. I don't but know Xander's what I'm remembering. The one that, Xander's but, like, the one that laughed. I was expecting this but then Buffy's just more horrified so I don't yeah. know what I'm remembering maybe it's some other episode mm. thing but yeah I don't know I like this episode a lot I, I have some questions yeah. about like the timeline but okay so mostly just talk about like how is Dawn this recovering point, or well no I'm gonna talk about Drusilla so oh yeah 
So yeah. at this point, Buffy and Angel are still on the same network. So there's a lot more oversight between, like, storylines or, like, mm-hmm. there should be more care taken in, like, timelines. Like, I think in the later seasons, sometimes it seems like there's not a lot of, like, whatever's happening on Angel isn't really informing what's happening on Buffy and vice versa. And, like, they, not like they're really doing that on a large scale here, but, like, generally mm-hmm. speaking, like, when there's crossover, we see, like, sometimes the timelines kind of match up a little bit. Right. But, like, Buffy, I mean, sorry, Drusilla and Darla were, like, just set on fire a few episodes ago on Angel. Mm-hmm. And then that's the last we saw of them. They weren't yeah. in the last episode of Angel. We don't know what they've been doing. And then Drusilla suddenly just rolls into town on a train. She's obviously still recovering from yeah. her wounds, but there's no indication of, like, other than she says, well, I brought Darla back and we want to get the gang back, or I want to get the gang back mm-hmm. together. Because, like, that, and that's, that tracks with what she told Darla. Like, she just right. wanted her family back. True. And that's why she turned Darla into a vampire. So, like, it sort of makes sense that she's going to, like take a detour to Sunnydale and get the missing family member. But given her history with Spike, I don't know why that would happen. And also, I just... Like, what, where is Darla? What, like, Drusilla just, like, was like, hey, I'm going to go to Sunnydale and, like, go get Spike. And she's just like, yeah, cool. Like, I don't... Like, something about that doesn't... Is weird. ...really track with what's been happening on Angel. And why wouldn't they have Darla here, too? Yeah, so, like, I remembered the train and the doll and like mm-hmm. all the creepiness of like how she like I mean her opening scene is terrifying. It's like, true. Very the way and that Drusilla is gets so like, pretty great. Jag- yeah. But yeah. like then I found myself going, huh, like how does this work with what's been happening on Angel? So I feel like it just I there was I mean, a lot that was sort of just sort of painted over and maybe we'll find out more to come on Angel, but I was just like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me that Drusilla is after being set on fire by Angel with Darla, just yeah. decides to leave L.A., come to Sunnydale, and try to get Spike to come to L.A. Like, well, hey, we just got set on fire by Angel. Why don't you come join us? Like, It's funny know. because you saying that, actually. I, I mean, you know, I don't dig too deep into the, like, background of each episode, but there are yeah. some kind of throwaway points on just the main wiki about da- David Fury wrote this episode and kind of like, this was like his big idea. And I, there, it, there are parts of it that I think don't work the way I think he's trying to make some grander, more interesting points than they actually end up being. You know, the things that I liked about this episode are kind of like the comical ways in which we see Spike awkwardly try and navigate this, you know, when he's still a vampire and he knows that she's not going to return his feelings and like that kind of stuff I think worked okay. And I think, um, it is fun to see him with Drusilla and Harmony and Buffy kind of all at once, but I don't feel like it was, it wasn't very effective to me at proving anything about vampire love. And I feel like that was maybe his intention. Mm. And so I think that's why I, I guess all, all I'm trying to say is that I think your point is correct in that, She's a plot device, and they brought her back because they needed her for what this big point that they thought they were making. And I think that point sort of fell flat for me. Um, I'm happy to see Drusilla whenever they want to bring her back in the show, but I do feel like it was kind of band-aided on because they thought it would make this more impactful. And I don't think that that right. part paid off for me. So I do want to talk about that I guess point. I'm just saying it's convenient I is really why they do. brought her back. That's why. Yeah. But I, I agree. Like, I think she is, a, you're right, she's a plot device because they're like, how do we make this point? We're going to get all of Spike's, you know, on-air girlfriends <laughs> yeah. back on this show. Yeah. Never mind that it makes no sense that Drusilla is coming back. I mean, cons- not I mean, considering also- <laughs> what's been happening on Angel. Like, 
the last time Spike saw Drusilla, she, like, dumped him for some kind of, like, mucusy demon or something. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no indication that Drusilla considers Spike worthy of, like, bringing back into the fold, you know? Mm, like that. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like... Kind of in the way that they these shows try and paint, you know, um, Angel and Darla as like that is like their core romance for such a long part of their lives. I think that I can believe that Drusilla, she was with Spike for a really long time and he was part of her vampire family. I can believe that she still has some lingering affection for him, even if even when so she like leaves if she's going to get the band back together, him, she's got to get the drummer, too. It, yeah, it doesn't. I, it, that part doesn't feel unrealistic to me, whether or not she has love or romance for him still, I feel like they do have this kind of in the way that you do sometimes go back to people who were just a part of your life for a really long time. I think that part tracks. Okay. I mean, maybe I, it still felt a little forced to me other than well, it definitely like, feels forced. It definitely feels like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. But I don't I mean, think that I, I don't hand, not like, buy her doing this at all. Yeah. And I guess maybe they're looking at this big picture and saying, okay, we've already brought Juliet Landau back to play Drusilla and Angel. Mm-hmm. That's a missed opportunity if we don't bring her back to interact with Spike. Because, like, mm-hmm. every scene with them was a treat, obviously. Sure, of course. But, yeah. So I'm going to stop harping on the things that I yeah. gave me pause. Because, like I said, overall, I I do really like this episode. I think it's a little bit clunky. I think It is clunky, the, yeah. The setup is a little bit forced. But I think, overall, it's interesting setup, well, to see the way it highlights the dynamic between Buffy and Spike. And I think it points out a lot of nice things about each of their characters and their interactions mm-hmm. with other characters. And we'll yeah. get there. But what I really want to talk about, because you already brought it up, mm-hmm. is this point that the episode seems to be trying to make mm-hmm. about the fact that vampires are truly, in fact, capable of love. Yeah. Because that seems to be Spike's main point of like... It's true. Whatever he thinks she's going to return, he's trying to impress upon her that his feelings are real. I mean, they're creepy. They're yeah. tracking Misguided. with what Spike is. Like, <laughs> they're embarrassing. You know, the stalking in the shrine and all of that stuff is a little bit questionable. And He's also changed his wardrobe. Know, and Chaining you know, her up is, while she's unconscious and then yeah. offering to kill Drusilla for her. Like, all of this is extremely messed up. But, like, he's True. trying, he's, in his Spike way, he's trying to impress upon her that his feelings are real. And... Never mind that none of this is going to work. But I think it's an interesting point to make when we've literally just had the opposite point as a main motivation (laughs) for Angel on his show about why Darla coming back and claiming they had this epic love is so impossible because from his point of view, I was a vampire without a soul. I wasn't capable of love. And yet we have Spike and Drusilla saying, actually, we're very capable of love. Like, it might not always be like... A wise choice or whatever but like we do truly love and yeah. like I was just like sitting there going are you kidding me <laughs> see but I guess that wasn't the way I took it away on Angel though I guess I really take it as specifically Angel thinks of it that way but I think he's wrong you know Angel Angelus is a sociopath who probably can't love anyone but I don't think that it doesn't seem to track for. But he's Darla. trying to make the point to Darla that she couldn't love him. But I think even. Was... W- but when he's saying that, I don't feel like I agreed with it, and I don't think you did either. Because I mean, it, it, we sort of agree with it in the sense that their love story is very poorly acted and doesn't feel true. Yeah. But I do well, believe and maybe that. Maybe it's don't. the characters I, in that. He, from I Angel's think, point of view, he doesn't think that that's possible because. But I think Angelus Darla really did. Incapable of love. I didn't ever question if Darla loved Angel. 
Okay. I don't think. Maybe I, I guess did, my I think my so. big thing is like that we have two conflicting yeah. philosophies here that, that it true. seems like the show is trying to tell us. Like it really felt like to me that because the show is supposed to be from Angel's point of view, Angel the show was trying to tell us like there's no way he was in love with her. And then I guess but that's because true, he but was a just, vampire. And then now we've got Buffy the show telling us like, yeah, this isn't hundred percent possible. I guess it's just funny that like also Oh, God. Okay, I'm having some conflicting thoughts all at once. But suffice it to say, Angel is a weird example of anything because he really is a very different vampire from every other vampire that's ever lived. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, it doesn't matter what, it kind of doesn't matter what's true for him at all because he's so different from everyone else. And I feel like every time you see him in the flashbacks and in present day, he's really not part of the regular vampire set. So it, it kind of doesn't matter if that might be true for him personally. But it doesn't really speak to the greater, I don't feel like it really speaks to the greater thing. But what's also funny is that, like, again, kind of reading into these, like, little behind-the-scenes tidbits, it kind of feels like I think David Fury thought he was, I mean, I don't know. It seems a little bit like he thought he was proving that Spike couldn't love her or that he's so twisted that it doesn't count. Maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it just feels a little bit like, I feel like you thought you were doing this and you're very confused. Yeah. I should have dug deeper into it. Maybe I'm misrepresenting what some of these snippets that I'm seeing. I mean, it, it, this is going to come up against because Spike is still a vampire. Like he is a neutered vampire. He can't mm-hmm. attack people, but he still has the thought processes of a demon. Okay. And his idea of what is, yeah, how he wants to prove his love to Buffy is going to be problematic. It's going to continue to be problematic, but I it's don't true. think that that should mean that in his own way, he's not truly in love with her. I don't think that's I the agree. point that this episode made at all. I now agree. I think <laughs> like, to Drusilla's point, it's not always wise. Like, I don't think if if she if he gets Buffy to admit that she loves him on pain of death, why would yeah. that mean anything? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, or or and then that to even think that him killing Drusilla matters to Buffy. I mean, like, sure, Drusilla killed Kendra. Buffy probably has no qualms with him spiking Drusilla, but like that's not gonna prove that he loves her because right. Buffy herself probably doesn't believe that Spike and Drusilla are capable of love. So, like, who cares? And it's one less vampire she has to worry about. But, like, this whole idea that he's going to somehow blackmail her into admitting, like, that she loves him. Like, why would you ever trust that that would mean anything? It seems like a terrible way to, like, get what you want. Unless he doesn't care. I think, I, I guess one of the things that I took away from this episode too, and this is actually going <laughs> to, uh, I have, a, a, I do have some qualms with Buffy in this episode. I, I think, you know, Spike is being irrational and he's acting the way a demon thinks makes sense. I don't feel like he's trying to blackmail her, in, blackmail her into admitting that she loves him, but I do think he's getting increasingly desperate for her to prove, for her to just admit that she has, that they have any kind of connection. Cause I don't feel like he's ever pressing her to say like, admit that you love me. He keeps saying to her something about like, you know, there's something here, which I think is probably true. Right. It, you know, whether or not it's certainly not love, it's certainly not reciprocal. And I wouldn't encourage this sort of behavior, but I don't feel, I don't feel like he's trying to force her into admitting that she loves him. I think he's just getting so desperate that she refuses to acknowledge anything has changed at all between the two of them. And I think that actually is the thing that was, was really frustrating to me in this episode, you know, from the get, I, I get, I really do get it that on paper Spike is a longtime villain 
and they don't trust him, and he's been very untrustworthy. But they have been palling around for weeks or months this season. So, like, when he shows up at the bronze and sits next to her, that wasn't so out of the blue to me that I think it merited her kind of reaction of, like, why on earth would you be sitting here? Like, what else is Spike going to be doing? And they have been hanging out and been allying themselves off and on again for seasons. So I don't, you know, obviously I'm not condoning any of his behavior in this episode. He is a monster and he is behaving like a monster and men should take note of that. This is not an example of like how to win women over. But I do think that there is this like, Buffy does have this very irritating attitude in this episode of why would I ever talk to you? And also she does that thing that I've complained to you about before, which is I really don't like it when people tell someone that someone is interested in, this is a thing in the real world, and it's and people act so like, I can't believe that that person would even like me, and it's so disgusting. It's like, it's a very unattractive reaction, in my opinion, because it just reminds me of middle school and high school when I had the hots for some guy, and some girl would be complaining to me about how annoying it was that he had a crush on her, and I just like, that is a personal problem of mine. <laughs> But suffice it to say, I do think that there is this a lot of, I do think that Buffy is being stubborn in this episode, at, the, at least at the beginning, not at the end. At the end, she's just all the rights in the world to say, you're disgusting and get me out of here. Well, I think it's just a continuation of what we talked about before, where Buffy treats Spike, however, is convenient for yes, her at the yes. moment. Because to go from, hey, Spike, will watch you watch my, my mother mom and, and sister mm-hmm. and sit here and watch TV with them? Yeah. And that's she totally does appropriate. Yeah. But yet he can't come into the bronze and like have a drink. Like Exactly. And so and and to his point, she's like, oh, you got knocked out right in the first thing with glory. And I'm like, he fought a god for you. I think he can have a beer with you for 10 minutes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And actually, you're right. I forgot about that part where it is it's absurd for her to deny that they have any kind of connection when you're right that she, he was the only person that she could trust to watch her family. Yeah. Like, that does mean something. It doesn't mean she's in love with him, but it does mean that she should treat him a little bit nicer. And I think it's interesting, the conflicting points of view on that between Buffy and Dawn, where Dawn, right. having been one of the people who went and hung out in the crypt with Spike while you know they were hiding out from Glory, mm-hmm. she seeks out Spike and tries to continue to bond with him and sees him, you know, in his own creepy way as, and she might be trying to rebel against Buffy and that might be part of it, but she views him as an acceptable person to hang out with just for the sake of like company. And I think that's really interesting compared to Buffy who like will use him as any means that are convenient to her, but like will not admit that he's worthy of just, someone's like company for the sake of company and I think or that's even admit that he's worth yeah sure. worthy of any kind of respect yeah you know I don't think she has to like him but there's undeniable that she respects him in some way at this point but she um, won't admit it won't like admit she's it. only yeah. capable of admitting that she respects him as like the next strongest fighter yeah yeah but even then she undercut him on that you know she made fun of him for getting knocked yeah. out by Glory. It was like, Buffy, you've been knocked out by Glory several times. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, don't act like you've, you've managed to defeat her. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, it's a, it is weird. Um, actually, the thing that I really liked about the Spike and Dawn interaction, and I, I wonder if this is one of the points that you were alluding to earlier, um, what, in addition to kind of, I do think she's probably rebelling. I do think that she genuinely enjoyed hanging out with Spike, and he is an interesting 
figure, you know, for Dawn. But her big point on why she wanted to hang out with him is that he's the only one that can still treat her normally. I think that was also, that that's obviously, I think, a huge part of it for Dawn, who we saw in the last episode, not a single one of the Scoobies could keep it together to treat her the way they had been treating her this whole time. But Spike is the only one who, I think by virtue of being who he is and by being a vampire, could honestly not care <laughs> whether she's human or not. You know, he's just like, whatever, you're still this little pipsqueak that I, you know, have a kind of lingering affection for. And it's like, well, he doesn't care. So I do think there's something nice about that too, that like he's by virtue of being different from everyone else, he's able to treat her more normally. Yeah. And why wouldn't she seek that out? Yeah, exactly. But I do think that mirrors things that Spike is going to say about Joyce later and stuff that we witnessed happen in this episode, that Joyce is also pretty much one of the only people that will just talk to Spike like he's a normal person. And I think it brings out a better side of him when people treat him that way. Which is so interesting, okay, when Joyce is... I know. With Willow talking to Buffy, asking her... Like, and, okay, this is a serial killer who has developed feelings for Buffy, cause for concern, except this whole tactic of, like, are you sure? Did you lead him on? Did yeah, you, that was, you know, and, and yeah. it's played as a joke, but like, it's also like, well, they're all having this very concerned conversation with her about like, what are we going to do? And it's like, at no point has Spike ever truly like threatened her up to this point. Like, okay, later in the episode, there's the chains and the, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like before that conversation, it's the same thing of like, they're perfectly happy to view him as no threat, no problem. Yeah. You know, forget about him until this comes up. And then it's like, oh, my God, like, Spike's in love with you. What are we going to do about it? And it's like, I wonder if they're having flashbacks to uh, when Jealous was in love with her. And, like, there's a little bit of, like, you know. Yeah. I think specifically for Joyce, the last time this happened, it was seriously creepy and upsetting and stalker-ish. So I do feel like for Joyce, it kind of makes sense to be like, oh God, she can't control anything about Buffy's life, but dear God, can she ask her, please stop dating vampires, you know, who are going to become unhinged somehow and then leave dead puppies for us or threaten to, you know, I I think it makes a little more sense coming from Joyce than from um, Willow, but yeah, but it is a weird reaction because not moments before in the episode was Joyce just kind of palling around with Spike. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's the whole thing of, like, she's telling him funny stories about her day at work, and then yeah. she's like, the horror. Like, I just... Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it is, really, like, mesh yeah. very well. Like, that's why, like, like Dawn's reaction was the best, where she was just like, oh, yeah, you know he's in love with you, right? Yeah. Like, whatever, <laughs> yeah. moving on. Like, yeah. it's just, like, she's the only one who doesn't maybe recognize it for the danger that it could pause, but also, like, could pose. Pose, I mean, but yeah. Also, um, I don't know. Her reaction seems the most appropriate given it is yeah (laughs) I agree (laughs) yeah it's all a little bit strange but I did like this idea of like Buffy going to her mom with a problem that's true going to Willow with a problem it's like these does seem like they've all grown like friendship and mother-daughter interactions that we really haven't seen in a long time well and also that we she couldn't you know back in season two when it was happening she couldn't really tell Joyce about it because she didn't know and it is a nice way to see that they've you know, their, their relationship has maybe repaired a lot from a few years back. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And also, you know, like, we didn't see her talking to Joyce about her breakup with Riley because Joyce was understandably Right, in the hospital. But yeah. Yeah, I just, it's it's nice to see, but it was also kind of like a reminder that we haven't seen that before, so. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Um, 
So <sighs> I want to talk about Harmony. Okay. Because I also forgot she was Yeah, I mean, where has she been? <laughs> right, where has she been? Was she... Yeah. There this whole time, like, was she there when Joyce and Dawn stayed with Spike? Like, she somehow has never discovered the creepy Buffy shrine in the basement. She's not questioning this weird role play that Spike is making her do. Like, where has she been? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it was convenient for this episode to bring her back. I didn't mind seeing her, but I always enjoy her. Oh, God, no. Uh, As always, she was, like, that perfectly comical line between, like, I'm going to take things into my own hands and I'm going to stand up for myself and I'm going to beat you to, like, immediately being, like, oh, no, and, like, running away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But she's also just evil enough that, like, I I don't feel like I have to feel too bad for her, you know, despite this is, like, clearly a terrible relationship that she needs to get out of. But at the same time, like, she seems to pretty much have fallen hardcore into her vampirism. So it's like, well, okay. (laughs) I don't have to feel too bad for your cosmic fate. (laughs) I loved her introduction to Drusilla. (laughs) Yeah, she calls her Morticia. (laughs) Drusilla. Harmony is the one in the position to get really hurt here, but, like, yes, you're right. Never forget who Harmony is, but... She was always a terrible like, person, and now she's a terrible person with vampire yeah, powers. So, like, yeah. I feel like she was brought in purely to see someone who is currently, supposedly, in a relationship with Spike. Right. Seeing the downside of him being in love with someone else, but, like, they don't even really address that. Like, it's, it's, it's true. not even clear that Harmony's aware that he has feelings for Buffy. Like... It's true. I don't know. It's all, that's what I think we're this episode fails in like some of the details, but well, um, I think in the, they're trying to make kind of these sweeping statements that don't really pan out for me. I think all the details yeah. are, are kind of nice and they do work out. I guess that's the opposite of what yeah. you just said, but I think we're still saying the same thing <laughs> either way. What big picture or details are working? I'm not sure which, but only one is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of little things like Drusilla doesn't really question why Buffy would be in Spike's script. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of it's played for comedy, maybe to the detriment of, like, sense, but I don't know. I, I did find that it was, like, an interesting parallel where, where Spike is confronting the fact that, like, the Scoobies don't see him as a threat. They're all constantly telling him to his face how much of yeah. a threat, like, he isn't. Right. And here, Strolls do sell into town to tell him exactly the opposite. And, like, right. no, you're still you. Like, you might have this thing in your head, but you are still a deadly killer. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe it's what Spike thinks he needs to hear. But, I don't know, it almost backfires on Drusilla a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Um, I mean, and what is unfortunate about this episode is that I feel like early on in the first half, you know, I was feeling very defensive of Spike for all the reasons that I've already stated, but also just because I, and I think this is the thing that we disagree about, but I, I don't feel like Buffy throwing the chip in his face is a really great argument of like, you can't possibly be anything more than you are because all you are is neutered. I just feel like that is a really dismissive um, view of people's behavior. And you know what, what are you except the things that you do. So who cares necessarily the details on why you're doing it? I I mean, I guess uh, that's not the argument I want to make either. I just think it's silly sometimes the way that they choose to split hairs. And for the whole first half of this episode, I'm like, man, I think he is proving that like he's going to do his best and he's going to try to do these things. But then clearly by the end, it has just spiraled out of control, you know, and it just, I I was certainly disappointed in his behavior, even though I knew where this was going. (laughs) Like, oh, Spike, why are you proving her right? Proving that she can't trust you and that you don't know how to show love and that you're not, human yet um 
He really anyway. takes the Phantom of the Opera approach. He does. And he is, yeah, he really is a, like, very sad And I can say that boy. now because you've finally seen it. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. He, and yeah, all right down to the taking her into a deep, dank basement. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. They do also throw a not-so-subtle Quasimodo reference in here as well. To mm-hmm. kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit, at least with and where the show remind us that Buffy is still in school. <laughs> True. Shoot, but what was I was trying to? I was saying all that as a lead up to something, but I don't remember what it was. Um, dang it. Well, well, I did want to ask you about what you said. Oh, at yeah. the beginning about about Drusilla the hypnotizing him. Uh, I guess I didn't have a better way to verbalize that, but I, I mean, he does bite a person. But the person's dead. I don't think so. Yeah, she snaps the neck and then tosses oh, the body. Oh, you're right. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. I totally just missed that. Okay, well, I take yeah. that back. Oh, the okay. The thing that was most telling to me about that is, like, they're literally standing in the bronze that has just been repaired, where yeah. just after Spike was bragging to Buffy about not feeding on the victim. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, my God. Okay, I don't know why I missed that. Well, I'm glad you corrected yeah. me. Um, also, hmm. that couple, while they were making out, was leaning, like, so far away from each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, these actors just met. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I knew that in my head. And I thought that was weird. I was like, man, I can't forget. I, I can't believe I forgot that Spike kills a person. <laughs> no. Okay. I yeah. mean, not to say that it excuses his behavior, but it does uh, make it a little less bad. It makes it more possible. Yeah. Uh but I think it also, it, it makes, it changes. Yeah, I know. I was definitely thinking that like, oh, he had made the decision to be evil again. It's definitely a different decision, I think, to feed off of somebody that's already dead for him. That's not nearly so objectionable to me. I mean, he still obviously feels bad about it, but um, yeah, no, he doesn't, he's, he can't kill the person. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh yeah. my God. I, I did know that. I don't know why I said that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, cause I must've looked away from the screen when the moment she snapped her neck. Yeah. Um, Okay, good. Well, that's good, because that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, okay, here's some other just weird notes that I had. <laughs> I do feel like, again, Buffy gives Spike, this is more so comical than a complaint. Buffy gives Spike a lot of grief for like, oh, you think this is a date? Like, this is your idea of a date? But honestly, yeah. we've seen Buffy use patrolling as a date for Angel and Riley a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Buffy, this is what you do on a date. <laughs> He's nailed it. And Spike even bought a drink. Brought exactly. a drink. <laughs> like, honestly, this is exactly what you do on dates. Um, so that was funny. I appreciated Spike's retort when she said that you're like a serial killer and he said women marry them all the time. Um, and I also thought it was hilarious that they finally get to Spike's basement crypt and there's just a torch on the wall. <laughs> Just eternally burning. <laughs> Did you With notice what that? oxygen? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. just was like, why, <laughs> Spike? What do you do? You just have little fires in there all the time. That was just the props the department going too far. I think skulls and stuff. Yeah. See those, I believe. I was just like, it's like a very impractical way to light a house <laughs> or a room, not a house, but. Well, he doesn't have electricity. I know, but it just seems silly. <laughs> he just leaves them I mean, burning he, all the time. It's not a castle. He obviously but. has some electricity because he has a television, but yeah, he doesn't have yeah. in, in the basement part, I guess. I don't Why know. <laughs> um, uh, so at the end, Willow changes the locks yeah, to so-called so to locks speak. to the yeah. house. Like she undoes Spike's invitation in, and that, I think, more than anything, really seems to hurt. But Cru- again, it's it back to that parallel him? of like creepy stalkery vampire in love with you and they use the same that's true very true that was a nice callback to angel 
Um, the other thing that really actually um, kind of bothered me about the end of this episode, though, is that Buffy just lets Drusilla go. <laughs> like, she wasn't even trying to stop her. Yes, they kind of had a little is. tussle, but, like, she was so busy arguing with Spike that, it, like, Drusilla just left. I'm like, okay. And considering Buffy, Drusilla, Drusilla was, like, the slayer. mysterious killer at the yeah. beginning of the episode, yeah. I feel yeah, like she that's just murdered ten dropped. people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That a was a little, but but again, maybe that speaks to Buffy's selfishness of like it's true. She she can't worry about fighting evil because she's worried about evil being in love with her. Yeah, she's stuck in her own personal drama. Yeah, she does kind of um, enjoy that. So I think we we never talked about Buffy flirting with Ben at the bronze. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, just they a get reminder some, that already gets some don't good remember. Yeah, and get you know get some good jokes in there about Ben and Glory sharing a body. Because she's somebody's mm-hmm. telling a Let's story just call about her. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, I was gonna st- make a note though about maybe I'll do it at the end. Okay. Um, I I think I said this briefly, but I also just want to hit hit it over the head a little bit more that Spike was wearing different outfits also <laughs> when he was at the bronze. He's uh mm-hmm. trying to make himself look a little more appealing. He didn't really have his leather trench on. Uh uh-uh. uh. He did later when he was with Drusilla, but when he was, he's clearly mm-hmm. taken some sort of effort to steal different clothes. Yeah, he dressed up for yeah. Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, that's what I've got. You've got some well, secret hidden point that you're not telling us, but. Well, no, it's, it's not a hidden point, really, but I think it's more appropriate when we talk about the episode that's coming up next Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Angel. Yeah. So, I didn't hate it for uh, once. The thin... I didn't hate it. I Oh, I just want to get that out there when I can. Yeah, no, no, I didn't hate it. I thought it was an interesting episode to watch, given what we were talking about before we started recording. Yeah, but, um, I know. Uh, it's true. Yeah, so, I'm not trying to say it's my favorite, yeah. but it, did, it wasn't one like last week where I wanted to throw my TV away. Yes. Sorry. Um, but the thin, the thin deadline. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a police pun. Yes, that should have been a tip off to me that this was Kate episode. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. No, literally every <laughs> time. Like, how are you still in this show? Um, so we get this. It's a, it's a kind of continues to split the story between Angel and the team, although mm-hmm. they're, what they're doing kind of dovetails more this week. But we get a return of Anne mm-hmm. um, because turns out, like, the kids in the neighborhood that she runs her shelter are being, if not hunted by the police, at least definitely harassed by them for doing nothing and or escalating it to the point of beating and, as we see throughout the episode, outright killing. Mm-hmm. So they're all very afraid of the police, but again, it's the cops, so who are you going to call, right? Like, mm-hmm. What are you going to do? So um, <clears throat> this flares up as a problem and goes to the investigations team and asks Gunn for help. Um, I think this is the first indication we get that they know each other, mm-hmm. but um, she goes to him, tells him about the problem. Gunn takes off to go check it out. Um, you know, we see Gunn kind of with some of his old um, squad and these kids that he knows, and he's trying to make sure, like, hey, you guys just um, lying about this or is this really mm-hmm. happening? And they're like, no, we've literally been doing nothing. We're getting beat up by these cops. Like, something's going on. So they're investigating. Meanwhile, Angel, because he sees Gunn and Anne leaving the office together, he tracks them, and he gets tangled in this when a cop sees him 
hanging outside the shelter and the cop mm-hmm. just starts beating him, tries to arrest him and then like beats him to the point where Angel's like def- defending himself for his life and actually ends up decapitating the cop um, <laughs> who turns out to be a zombie. So yeah. um, at least we know what's going on um, with that. But it all kind of dovetail- dovetails when Wesley decides to go after Gunn and help and he encounters Gunn and some of his friends on the street and they see a cop and the cop, you know, goes about what these guys are doing, starts to arrest them, Mm -hmm. starts to bring out his nightstick, but then also turns around and shoots Wesley. So Wesley's fighting for his life with a gunshot wound. They're all trying to figure out what's going on. They get an ambulance, but then this cop that they think that they've killed rises up and calls for backup from the squad, and they all arrive and cut off the ambulance. So for some reason, Gunn takes them all to the shelter Mm -hmm. where they all kind of hunker down, and then these cops converge on the shelter and start... Um, basically trying to invade it and kill everyone inside. And so Angel, meanwhile, has alerted Kate to the fact that he killed a cop. Mm -hmm. And that's okay because the cop was dead, but something's going on. So he and Kate go and investigate this precinct and ask, you know, hey, what's going on? And they're like, well, crime's really way down. We don't really care how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Angel goes back and talks to the captain and finds out that this captain has dug up all these bodies and used their entrails and some sort of zombie god to turn them into zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, so he fights the man and destroys the statue and all the zombies drop off and Wesley goes to the hospital and that's all good except... Angel goes to the hospital to check on Wesley, and Cordelia tells him that he needs to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not ready to see him pretend that he cares because he appears to not care. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a very minor story that never gets followed up on where yeah. his girlfriend <laughs> refers another client to them where this kid gets bit by a demon in the back of the head and then grows another eye. And uh-huh. that girl, I don't think, ever got her eye removed. So <laughs> I'm assuming they deal with it down the line. <laughs> yeah. So it was that. fairly straightforward. Yeah. Uh. Um, I think my my biggest, well, I mean, you know, I, I, I think when Angel tries to be very um, with it, you know, it feels pretty forced. Uh, so I think that's my gripe number one. And then gripe number two is like they just they really were trying to shove a lot into this episode. And I think it got pretty messy. Um, but yeah, but that said, I didn't I didn't hate this one. I think partially because it was m- more so with the gang than with Angel for the first time in a long time. Um, Which is what we've been asking exactly. for. And, so and I think Angel's that, like a bit part in his own story. It was perfect. It was. And and that stuff, again, it's like when they try and be kind of woke about it, it's like, well, I appreciate the effort. And not all of it was terrible, but it is a little bit, you know, hokey. Uh, but that said, I loved watching Gunn and Wesley and Cordelia in this episode. And also even Anne, you know, kind of just seeing once again the way that they've decided that they care about each other and the way that they act, you know, like Wesley and Cordelia going to step in because they're worried about Gunn, I thought was very touching. And same with, you know, Gunn is genuinely worried for his friend Wesley that he's been shot and all these things that have happened. And then, you know, there's this great scene where they show up at, Anne, you know, <laughs> a little inexplicably. Oh, no, no, no. This was before that. So when they show up at Anne's um, uh, shelter, you know, and Wesley's like, great, I'm going to go look for Gunn on 45th Street. And Cordelia says to him, like, make sure you check in with me. 
that was a great yeah. little throwaway line. That is like a very, that is the sort of thing you say to your friends, especially when they're going up into dangerous situations. Um, but then also that like Cordelia is literally just like, okay, Anne, what can I do for you? Like that whole scene was just like, I loved it. All scratched all my no, little itches. And I think that's of, all like, great, especially everything compared that I need. to, yeah. Yeah. When like Wesley's bleeding out on the street and Gunn's friends want to like just ditch him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, Gunn is like, no, this is my friend. Like, we're not going to just leave him here. And mm-hmm. and even when Wesley tries to intervene with the cop and he's like, this is my friend. He's not doing anything. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets shot for it. And it's like, it is a very ham fisted kind sure. of story. I think they're trying to tell about police brutality and yeah. like, the reason people are afraid of the cops. But, you know, there's throwaway line referencing like Rodney King and all of this. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, whenever Angel tries to kind of go this route, it doesn't work very well. But I do think in it's this not instance, terrible. like, it's because it turns out to be, like, zombie cops, like, it's fine. Um, I mean, I actually, and I did actually enjoy that metaphor for a, a number of reasons, mostly be, the biggest thing being, it is cathartic, I think, to see, oh, there's a reason these cops are acting so much like monsters. It's because they're monsters. You know, like, yeah. it is the kind of offering that thing that I think you is helpful about horror and sci-fi, is, like, getting to see a problem and there's a real explanation for it that you can solve. You know, is, is, is kind of satisfying, even though you know it's not true and it's not really how it is in the world. Um, I think that was really satisfying. The other thing that I um, want to just make sure I point out is that, um, you know, one of the... It's not the original zombie movie, but pretty much, sort of, Night of the Living Dead... Uh, is a is a story that has a lot of kind of racial overtones because one of the main characters is black and they spend the whole movie. Have you seen it? No. The, okay. Well, it, it's a, spoilers. Sorry, people. This movie is very old. Um, you know, it's one of the first zombie movies. They're besieged by zombies, much like this crew was. You know, in the um, shelter at the end of the episode. At the very end of the movie, they finally escape from the zombies, and the guy escape. He's the first one out of the house, and he gets shot by cops. And it's like that's how the movie ends. So I guess I'm just saying they were certainly also paying an homage to that, which has a lot of racial overtones in it. But I appreciated that reference because it's a great movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think there is a point they're trying to make. I mean, even when Wesley is like bleeding out on the sofa in the shelter Mm -hmm. and he kind of looks at Gunn and he's like, this isn't right. And it's like, on one hand, yes, true. On the other hand, like it's to me a little bit weird that they're using like a white man encountering yeah, what it's yeah. like to live yeah, as a yeah, black yeah, person yeah, in yeah, LA yeah. to discover that this isn't right. Like yeah, it should already kind of be sloppy. self-evident, yeah. but I was like, well, I don't know that they had time to really give that a nuance kind of thing. But I was like, would it have worked better if like Gunn is the one who got shot and everybody is yeah, like worrying about him? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like I was kind of like, it's a little bit of like a, takes a white man to realize this is wrong, but like, yeah, maybe that was just the events of this week feeding into my interpretation. Right, 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 know. right. Suffice but it to say. Overall, yeah. I think yeah. It, and I, I, I think some of it is, like, it's it's interesting how this episode is sort of asking us to make some, like, connections on our own, where on the one hand, it's a little bit, like, okay, we've met Anne recently again. We know that she interacted with Angel. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how she knows where to find Gunn. Um, yeah. Because we've never before had any indication that they know each other, which is fine. Like, I totally believe that Gunn would have encountered Anne in his uh-huh. Agreed. previous yeah. forays on the streets. And in fact, not even just in the capacity of like, hey, I've got a shelter, come stay here, but also in the capacity of like, she was fully aware of his vampire right. hunting. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, makes sense that they But again, paths. her just strolling into the investigations office, 
like she knew he was there all along is a little bit strange, especially when I mean, she, she then a, reveals she had no idea the name of it or like maybe somebody I, just told I, her. I, where I was going to say I think it's clear that you know, Gunn hasn't been around with his old friends as much, but they seem to know who he's with. So I think the implication is yeah. that she she asked one of his friends where to find him, and they said, oh, he's over at this place now. Yeah, but I that's what that, I mean. Like, there's a lot of connections that we're eh. making on our own, which is fine. Like, I feel yeah. like they're easy to figure out, and, like, it makes complete sense to me that, you know, they have some sort of interaction in the past. Um, and then I do like that it immediately becomes apparent that she had talks about, oh, I've met Angel, and, oh, he was just scamming me to he get back used to his me. lawyers. Yeah. Like, like, I love that she's not, like... Like, he helped her out, but she's not under any illusions that he did it to help her. her. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and that was the other thing that that was really cathartic about this episode is getting to see Cordelia, you know, hand it to Angel a little bit at the end is like, thank God, somebody's needed to do this for so long. Um, Yeah, I like that nobody's really putting up with him right now. Yeah, from Anne up to Cordelia. I almost even liked his interactions with Kate. I didn't. Almost. Well, only because... I felt like some of it was like Angel's not coming out as the good guy in these yeah. scenarios. Like, so by default, Kate kind of wins. But it's interesting. She's pointing out the two crimes that she's still following up. He doesn't even like blink about okay, there are these women that were murdered in the store and then the lawyers in the basement and all of these are things that Angel has first sort of indirectly knowledge. allowed to happen. Maybe yeah. not the murders in the store, but True. the the wine cellar for sure. He doesn't give her any leads. He's like fully admits that he set them on fire. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's no, neither of them are really kind of, they're just kind of like, okay, this is what's what, and this is what's happening. Yep, okay, cool. Like, there's no interaction over that. But then he just casually is like, well, I, I killed a cop. Yeah. Like, maybe not the best way to break the news. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know. He was just being kind of an ass about the whole thing. He was. Um, as he has been for the last few episodes. So, like I said, it's only by comparison. But I... I was sort of like, I, I don't know why the cop had to be Kate, but I guess because it always has to be Kate. Yeah, but. I mean, I didn't. I guess she just is still so self-righteous. And I just don't understand how after all of the, you know, everybody else that you see in the Buffyverse, pretty much once they get used to this idea of demons, accepts, comes to terms with what they've seen and isn't going to knee jerk just be like, well, you're the one who did this or you're wrong or I don't believe you. Like at this point, she's specializing in demon hunting in, in the police force in Los Angeles. And she, I feel, still feel like when Angel first approaches her, she's just being very haughty about it. And it's just like, I don't understand how you're still this person. How have you not been made humble by all these events? Um, yeah, and it's not clear to me that she's still just knee-jerk blaming Angel for everything. I don't think she's blaming him. Yeah, I guess yeah. You're, you're right. And part of me wonders if it's an execution problem. Like, is, is are we supposed to be getting the sense that Kate has discovered that this is what's happening? And instead <laughs> right. of being like, yeah. oh, well, it's demonic, I can't solve that, she's not letting them off the hook, maybe? Like, she's refusing to, like, give up just because they happen to be demons, but she's not... I don't think that she's made the connection that, okay, you cannot give up because they're demons, but you're not going to solve this in your normal way. Like, she's right. still somehow trying to, like, keep the demons accountable through the police system, which is absurd. Right. Um, and maybe true. that's the problem. Like, maybe that's the failure here is, like, she's not being allowed to be, like, she hasn't taken the step that other characters have where, like, she's not fully enfolded into the world of, like, demon hunting and she finding does, out I who guess, they are and all of this because, like, nobody's... Yeah. 
nobody's telling her this is this kind of demon. This is how you do this. Like, but she doesn't seem to be seeking out, seeking that out either. She seems to be really stubborn still in terms of dealing with this. And I guess I just find that to be very unbelievable because she's witnessed so much firsthand now that you know that this stuff is real and you have to have seen that you're not being effective anymore. Yeah, it's it's almost like she's willing to acknowledge that it's the problem, but she doesn't want to engage with it or something. Well, but here's the other thing that really made me mad at the end of the episode is that she sits there in the office with Angel and says, well, they did really clean up this neighborhood. I'm like, uh, F you, Kate. (laughs) I'm sorry, Miss Angel doesn't even deserve to live because he's a vampire and all demons must go because they're inherently evil. But she's okay with zombie cops because they cleaned up a bad neighborhood like that was messed up. Well, and again, I don't know. Is that I, supposed to be just a reflection of what cops actually think when they use I, terrible tactics and like yeah, stop I, and frisk and all of this? And they're like, hey, who cares? It works. And it's like, and I don't think you're undermining all the connections that are supposed to exist between the community and the cops. Like, and I do think that she I don't I think that in this episode, I think they thought she was making a salient point. Is yeah. it, and I that really rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, luckily I already hate Kate, so I can kind of write it off as like, "Hey, you made a bad character say a bad thing," <laughs> but I'm not sure that's how yeah. the episode meant it, and I didn't like that either. Yeah, I was like, the I really don't redeeming, think that's the takeaway here. <laughs> yeah, the only redeeming moment she had in this episode, I think, was when she's has that moment of fear um, that her mm-hmm, father mm-hmm. has been used as one of these zombies, and I think that's like, yeah, I, yeah, that was fine. Yeah, but. Yeah, that was an odd odd point to make. Um, I don't know if they were trying to make the point of, like, it's just this gray area of, like, you win a battle, but does it really help or lose? I don't But I don't But it was know, also but, like, clear that... It was that, an odd thing to say. Like, you know what these cops have been doing. They've been harassing these kids, and you're like, oh, but it worked. Like It stopped crime. Well, it was like, well, they all were hiding in one shelter. It so, stopped Yeah, the, I guess the streets were empty. It stopped the crime being done by the people but right. it didn't stop the crime being done by the cops so right, right. i don't i yeah. don't know that that's yeah. the right way to say that yeah 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 i thought that was pretty yeah not my favorite yeah oh i mean and then i i, I guess again i appreciate that like we haven't seen gun with his old friends and it is kind of an outstanding question of like well what is he just with the I don't know what to call them. I, I keep almost saying the Scoobies, but what are they? Yeah, the, the that's angel, why I keep calling the, them the investigations. Angel, the Angelettes. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, but you know, it's like, are we just not seeing him interact with the old friends because they're just not part of the show, or is he spending so much more time with this new investigation team that he's not really around? And they did, you know, answer that, uh, which is that he is spending more time with um, Cordelia and Wesley, and he's more invested in kind of doing this thing. And I appreciate getting to see all of that, but I. You know, again, that was that was kind of too where it was just like, I don't know, you're trying to cram a lot into this episode. Is this an episode about Wesley going back to his old friends? Is this an episode about zombie cops? Is this an episode about Kate and Angel? It, it was a lot. Yeah. And, and then there was like that do, weird yeah, side that, note with the drug dealer. Yeah, too. exactly. Like, I don't it was like, uh, okay. know what all yeah. this is doing here. Yeah. yeah. It was a little bit overstuffed. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess it was interesting to see their interactions and uh, I don't know, but... Yeah, it didn't do much for the episode, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but all that said, I do love Gun. <laughs> yes. Not that there was ever any question about that, but like, man, I love watching him. I think he is super cool. I appreciate that he's still grappling with all these complicated, you know, things from his past and trying to figure out what he wants from his life and what should he be doing with his time. But he is also just super cool and a great friend, and I love him. Yeah, although I did love the tie-in of, like, they, like, 
at the beginning of the episode are kind of ribbing him for like his dumb ideas and then he <laughs> Plus, literally decides the planning. best course of action is to drive Wesley to the shelter instead of a hospital yeah, and I get that I the know, cops are after I know, them but like I know. Wesley's bleeding out I know, I he had the same thought. <laughs> medical care yeah <laughs> totally maybe don't take him to like a dirty sofa in a shelter yeah that was not wise is Angel personally not the show ever going to change I know he will but god when I think soon. Yeah, we're almost we're in the later third of this season, so. Yeah, we're halfway through, so um, soon probably. But um, I don't know if he told you, but Jordan texted me the other day to tell me that we were ruining Angel for him. Oh, no, he texted me that too. <laughs> I said, we're not ruining Angel. Angel is ruining itself. That's what I said. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> I was like, Angel is ruining Angel. We are just pointing it out. <laughs> I swear it gets good at some point. I mean, it I is know. eventually going to be about Cordelia, Wesley, and Gunn. At least for a while. Right? Those are It's got to yeah, be better I, once it's about them. I think I think a few more episodes. I I do truly think it is a issue with the show, but I also, pardon me, I mean, there's no way to really go back and know because it's, you know, I haven't watched Angel in like eight years. Mm-hmm. And also some of my affection for it was from like, you know, when I was first watching it. So I am having a hard time answering the question of like, is it truly just worse than I remember or has it just not aged very well? Right. Yeah. It it might be both. I think it's probably both. I mean, last week was definitely a question of this is terrible, but, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think this one was an improvement. It was, I mean, it's still not perfect, but it was definitely an improvement. Yeah. And I think it was the right balance, honestly, of the characters. So Mm -hmm. that helped. I mean, it's, it's a problem with the show when your main character is the problem. And he's on the outs with the good part of, of the show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is weird. But you're yeah. still not stressing the good part over the bad part, so they're going to have yeah. to course correct. Soon. They do. Yeah, which I think they do, but um, hmm. I'm sure this must have been a moment where someone's watching going, this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. Huh. Okay. But, okay, so next time we've got... Um, I was made to love you. I was made to love you, which was the thing I was going to talk about. Um, Yeah. I was really happy we weren't watching that episode this week. I just have to say that. I don't know that next week's going to be better, but... (laughs) That's true, but again, I think as I... I, Well, I mean, who knows, because it's been a while since I've watched it with a careful eye. But at least unlike on Angel, they're not all just going to sweep it under the rug at the end and say, totally fine, totally great. This was totally acceptable behavior. I mean, it does help that it's... (laughs) He yeah, is going to be the villain. Is, yeah. Yes. Pointed out as gross. As such. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So. But we watched that and then um, reprise. I don't know Angel. what that's about. I yeah. I think it's uh, some Dara sort of back. some sort of reprise, perhaps. <laughs> Something will be turn returning or revisited. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So if I had to guess, it's Darla. But yeah. So, do you have any more Halloweeny pop culture for us? I'm well, just assuming it's Halloweeny. So. Yeah, it would be. Um, shoot, you know, I haven't found anything new. I'm still finishing up The Shining, um, almost done, and I'm still just watching a lot of BuzzFeed Unsolved. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, y- you know, I think we're all kind of familiar with this sometimes where um, it's, I, I guess I'll just pitch it briefly again. It's not it's not the best thing that I've ever seen. It's just so benign and sweet 
that it's just really what I needed this week to just, I was just like, every time I was getting really overwhelmed, I was like, I'm just going to watch Shane and um, Ryan just talk about crime or hunt a ghost and then it's all going to be fine. (laughs) And they just, it's never much more than that. They just crack wise with one another and talk about, you know, spooky or old crimes and mysteries. And it is just very nice. It is a very nice break from the real world. Even though some of the, many of the things that they're talking about are things that really happened, but you know, a long time ago, so it doesn't feel so gross. Yeah. I'm still enjoying that. They're silly, silly boys. What about you? Well, this is not a new recommendation. I just wanted to put oh, a PSA out yeah. there. The good place is back. Yes, it is. So. <laughs> already got a Yay. great, already got a great gif out of it, which is Chidi uh, yeah. saying he wants to cry. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great scene. I think that was the highlight of the whole episode for me. <laughs> so, oh god, so relatable. Um, very excited about that. So. Me too. Ugh. Again, if you're not watching The Good Place, fix it. Because, yeah, you should be. My God, that show is good. I didn't rewatch the last season before I started watching the premiere too, so it did take me a minute to be like, wait a minute, I've seen some of this. <laughs> Where did we leave off? <laughs> well, you know what I thought was really interesting was because of the way this show operates, where there's like from episode to episode, it's kind of like a whole different Setting. structure yeah, and dynamic yeah. and like things that have happened. Like, you like root for characters to get together and then they do and then the next episode they're not and like you're still totally fine with yeah, it. Like I yeah. was just like, Yeah. That is really okay. clever. Like, yeah, you're right. That's a particularly I was like, only this show could do that. Yeah, it's true. And you know, you're right, in a way that it feels really natural and not like you've been cheated. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Because I think it's because like they're not aware of it. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, oh man. Everything was perfect. I thought every scenario yeah. would like, fit yeah. the characters and yeah. Um, anyway, so I don't want to go on too long about that, but watch The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Thursdays on NBC. This is not an ad. <laughs> <laughs> it's from my heart. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess this week... Oh. I know. Not some great options. Team Gun. Team Gun. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I did specifically try and get that out before you did that. <laughs> yeah. That's I think fine. it has He's to a, be Team yeah. Gun. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next time for uh, I Was Made to Love You and Reprise. Yep. Goodbye. Robots. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.